Welcome to Two Guys Talking Sports Movies. He's Bobby Hensley. Not not the guy singing. No. I'm Sean Styers. He's way better at singing than I am. That is the unmistakable sound of Kenny Loggins. And I'm Alright was, of course, the theme song for arguably maybe the, the funniest sports movie of all time. Whoa, that's... I said arguably. That's saying a lot. I said arguably. That's kind of like... Well, when we did Talladega Nights last week, with all due respect, with all due respect, no, then you can say, say whatever, whatever you want. The hell I want. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, Kenny Loggins, I'm all right. Caddyshack is the movie this week from 1980, and man, it's what's hard for me to believe as someone who was actually alive <laughs> in 1980. Say, I know where this is going. You weren't. It took you a few years before you uh, became the loin of your parents. Yeah, you say, eye. you know, yeah. <laughs> I was I was alive in 1980, so I remember Caddyshack. I did not get to see it at the movie theaters. I know that because my mom was Catholic and she never let me see anything that had anything that even hinted at a curse word or nudity. And this has, of course, or golf or launch. Yeah, yeah, no, golf. Yeah, yeah. golf was verboten in the yeah. Steyer's household. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So uh, let's let's start by talking about the music because Kenny Loggins. Starting with this one, and he really didn't solidify it probably until four years later with Footloose. I mean, he had three of the top movie theme songs, maybe of all time, but at least of the 1980s, because you go 1980, Caddyshack, I'm All Right. Right. You go Footloose in 84, and then two years later, you've got Top Gun, Danger Zone. I mean, Kenny Loggins owned the 80s with movie theme songs. So two questions for you. Okay. One, is this the most known sports movie song in your mind you know what when when if someone says caddyshack in my mind i'm all right always starts playing yep right away and you picture the gopher yeah exactly the gopher carl the whole thing conversely or in addition to that this also has you're a big journey fan i wrote that down yeah they have this, the first hole that Rodney Dangerfield's out on the course. He brings out a radio, and the uh-huh. first song that's played very loudly. Any way you course, want it. Which, that's great. Which is my I need favorite, more Journey. It's my favorite Journey song of all time. Where would, where would Any Way You Want It rank for you? Are oh, you like prob- Separate Ways? Is that number one? Separate Ways is number one. <laughs> uh, Wheel in the Sky is number two. Okay. Stone and Love's number three. So Don't Stop Believing's not up there? I don't put... That's overplayed. Because that is the overplayed. Whenever it's anybody like, says Journey, they think of that. Yeah. Journey goes a lot deeper. It's like Bruce Springsteen. People think Born to Run, which I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan, much lower on my list. I think it's like that. If you're a diehard of any group... Sure. The, the, whatever gonna, the most favorite popular song is, is always going to be lower on the list. Right. You're, you're more deep cuts with your favorite. Well, yeah, you got to go against the grain sometimes. Exactly, which, I mean, you're good at. But that's, I mean. <laughs> that's how we get along. <laughs> the, the wheelhouse, though, of Kenny Loggins. So what's the, the best of those three? Which one's the best? I like, I, I would, go, man, this is really tough. So? I would probably go. And I have to ask you, zone. as a guy that was alive for all these yeah, movies. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would go Danger Zone. I'm all right. Which is probably the less heralded of the three, and then Footloose, because Footloose became, I think, definitely the more popular kind of to what we were just talking right. about. It he's he's maybe more identified with that because it's the big pop thing, and that really launched Kevin Bacon and and that whole thing. Yeah, and that, that movie was everywhere. Footloose. Right, and then the Footloose song still is played places, and everybody knows it. It's like Footloose and Dirty Dancing. I don't know what years they both came out, but 
not very far apart. Right, and they both are kind of similar in that they had songs and stuff that were popular. And I actually watched both Top Gun and Caddyshack within about a day of each other this week. So I got both Kenny Loggins' <laughs> experience. And, man, that's the, the only problem in the Top Gun. They kind of keep going back to it a little bit too much. There's a little bit of that there with is. Caddyshack. But, and, but, and Footloose, he actually had another song. I'm, I think it was I'm Free, kind of the sub it would have been the B-side probably. So are we, still at some B-sides. point, are we going to do Top Gun as a sports movie because they play volleyball in it? Ah, that's a good call. That's a good call. We might have to do that. Oh, wow. All right. Glad I brought that up. But that's, again, to me, again, if you say Caddyshack, I'm going to think I'm all right. And then if I hear any way you want it, I automatically think Caddyshack. Oh, really? Well. Yeah. Now, is it? Am, am I mistaken because... Probably. I have the DVD. I probably am, <laughs> but I have the DVD. And at the very end, when Rodney Dangerfield, Al Cervic, says, "Hey, we're all going to get laid," I thought in one of the cuts on TV or something that they started playing "I'm All Right" after that as well. Over that, or not? Not "I'm All Right." Any way you want it <laughs> at the very end, but Which, they actually started playing funny. "I'm All Right." So I was a little surprised when I saw that on the DVD. I would have sworn. Because again, it's like you know you see stuff on TV, right? But I would have sworn that maybe there was some sort of Caddyshack remix reordering of the music. But well, I watched it through Netflix, and it definitely did not have more Journey in there. I would okay. have remembered that, would have appreciated it more. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. That's as Roger go figure for the say. first time. But this, I mean, th- this you've got a lot of big names in this who weren't necessarily huge names at the time. So is this the first? And I'm asking you. Is this the first like SNL collaboration movie, kinda? Because they did the Animal yeah, John House Belushi and Animal House, right? And none of these. The, the only connection between Animal House and this is Harold Ramis, who, of course, essentially ends up connected to Bill Murray for a string of movies, string of hits: Ghostbusters, right. Stripes. They starred in it sure. together. <laughs> Harold Ramis wasn't yeah. in this movie, but he was the writer along right. with Brian Doyle Murray. And directed. Right. Uh, and they, this movie is based on sort of like their childhood. They were caddies in the Chicago area. back. Some in, of these are based on stories that yeah, they've had. Yeah, exactly. The, the sort of molding of the clay was they were caddies. They had funny caddy stories from when they were teenagers, and they thought – hey, let's make this movie about caddies, hence the name Caddyshack. But as they found out, especially as they got the ability to play around and kind of caricature and stereotype some of these different characters, the Al Cervic with Rodney Dangerfield, who had never done a feature movie before, interesting. He was a comic. Yeah. Yeah. Big, well-known comic, 60s and and 70s, kind of a raunchy comic with his one-liners and stuff like that. And then, of course, Ted Knight. Those were the, the two... Sort of caricature, big personality guys in this movie. Well, originally the movie was supposed to be about mostly them, but then it was cause of how funny Chevy Chase was and Bill Murray, Bill Murray. they started expanding roles. Yeah. Yes, and it, it expanded the whole movie. The whole movie is originally, when they finished, four and a half hours long. Wow. And they had to cut it That's down. That's a lot of editing because I think they got well, it to under two hours by the time it was all An hour down. 37, and the, that's where the gopher came in because the gopher had nothing to do with the original movie. Four hours? And they used the gopher to kind of transition between scenes where they were taking a bunch out and they didn't know what to do. They just put the gopher stuff in. I mean, wouldn't you pay to see that at this point? Even though it's going to be four hours, would you pay to see the, the original uncut 
Caddyshack. <laughs> 40th anniversary is coming up next year. Well, Four hours is a long time. Even if they got it to three and a half, I think I'd be in for that. Well, obviously you're a fan of the movie, so I'm sure you would enjoy that. <laughs> you're right about that. But I mean, you've got Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, and they play two of the central characters in this. Well, at least what? Ty Webb, Chevy Chase is more central. Bill Murray... A little bit of an add-on because he only has the one scene. Well, at Chevy the time, Chase. Bill Murray was still doing SNL, so yeah. like he, his filming schedule was a little bit different. Yeah. But this was the first movie that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray collaborated on or did anything with after SNL because Chevy Chase came – he left SNL and he came back as Didn't a guest. along with Bill Murray. They got into a fight, yeah. a physical fight, Yeah. and uh, this was their first time since then, and they only had one scene in this entire movie together. And the reason that scene came together, it's it's when Ty Webb hits the golf ball into the shack, shed, shack, yeah. yeah, whatever that that uh, Carl Spackler, Bill Murray's character, or he's growing his in. grass. Yeah, that's right. Good ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a special mix. <laughs> so he hits it in there, and that was kind of that was essentially a throw-in scene, right? They, they After they back, were done, they yeah, had to come back. They went and do back. That. They had finished everything, and then they went. We've got these two characters who are big. Again, central part of this whole yeah. thing, and they're not in any scene together. So they came up with that scene, and I guess those two and Harold Ramis go to lunch one day, and sure. they wrote the scene over lunch. And they all talked about it, had no problems with each other, Yeah, just people coming together. Everybody got along great, kumbaya. See, there's a lot of scenes necessarily in this movie that, like that one, I understand why you're doing it looking at the movie, because you wanted to bring those two characters sort of together. A mesh, yeah. But it, the movie would have been fine without it. Did it add anything yeah. to the movie? Did no, it add really. any? And I didn't even what, find that scene funny that much. So, and that's, I kind of felt the same way because I had read in kind of preparing for this, I had read the fact that that was an add-in. So I'm kind of paying extra close attention, other right. than just the seeing fact if there's that tension or whatever. Got his bong and yeah, yeah. And everything yeah. else. Yeah. What? It really wasn't that. Had to have been one a fairly simple <laughs> scene right. to write. Yeah, right. But at the same, yeah. So there, there really wasn't a whole lot to it. It's not like the the only purpose that really served is to get those two guys together. in the room together. Well, then the whole movie as a whole, they said that they had trouble with their filming schedule because all the scenes that were in the morning they were getting increasingly late for because they were all going out partying every night. <laughs> they were reliving the Animal House yeah. atmosphere and that vibe. And I guess Harold Ramis would not go party. If no. I remember hearing that. Not right. till the end. Yeah. Because he was always getting up early to do the daily, you know, do do the whole all the you know, whatever work that needed Ex- to exterior to be done. work. But I mean, when you look at these two, as you mentioned, Bill Murray was still on SNL at this point. Chevy Chase was not. And they each had only had kind of so so movies before this. Chase did foul play with Goldie Hawn in nineteen seventy eight. Bill Murray did Meatballs, another Harold Ramis thing in 1979 he's the like the head counselor of a summer camp or something along those lines and they both do caddyshack in 80 and then for chevy chase seems like old times another thing with goldie hahn they really worked to get those two together and then his big one in 1983 national lampoon's vacation Vacation, which again national lampoon and animal house and the whole thing and then for bill murray he does Stripes a year after this. 81, and then 82, he does Tootsie. Yep, Tootsie, where he's a, a little bit smaller role, but then he does Ghostbusters 84. in 84, and it's Kabloom. And then he's got Little Shop of Horrors, Scrooge. I wrote Scrooge. I put What About Bob? I put Groundhog's Day. Kingpin, even Space Jam. You know, his career, he did a lot more than I realized, but I'll just say it. I did not enjoy him in this movie. I didn't enjoy Bill his Murray? character. Yeah. Eh. What about the Cinderella story? Did you like 
at, at least that one? So, again, doing my research or whatever, okay. reading the articles, right. that scene was completely made up. Right. He completely ad-libbed it. Yeah. It was um, – he was supposed to have a quick little thing, but they, the extended cut that you want to view, that scene of him hitting those was 30 minutes long. He stood there for 30 – just like the whole thing yeah. all the way through? Yeah. So they clipped it down to just that line. Cinderella story. Do you need 28 more minutes of him hitting flowers, even though he's hitting like a eight iron with 200 yards to go or whatever? Yeah. So Looks I like did, he's got about a five iron so, on this one. So no, I, I felt like that at that point in the movie, it maybe it is because they cut so much out. I just was – Was that at least one of your favorite scenes or no, did you care for that No, no, I didn't. And I think it was a lot of random visions almost towards the end. They're like, oh, we got to get this in. We got to get this in. If you want me to get real negative, no, let's, I'll, let's do favorite scenes. Okay, first. favorite scenes. Since that that is one of my favorite scenes, and it, I'm sure scenes, it is. And just the fact that Bill Murray ad libbed that whole thing and using that that, that voice. What an incredible Cinderella story! This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. When we got all of that, the crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta, the normally reserved Augusta crowd, going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to, looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. Which that's fine by researching it, but if you're just watching the film and you don't know he's been research, like you don't know that he ad libbed that, it kind of seems out of place. But again, and random. that's like I mean, you could because even just Cinderella's story. I mean that that goes as one of the yeah the the, mm-hmm. the, the movie quotes. And I it think, was voted as number ninety-two movie quote by the AFI out of a hundred quotes. It's in the hole. Yeah, and that's where it stopped. Was it? It's in the hole. So I I get that. And that's, I mean, that's, it's in the hole. I mean, I don't go to many golf events, but I know getting the hole is a big thing. See, but, but that's it's the thing. in the hole. It's such that's a been ge- used a lot. It's such a generic golf term. I don't, is that a Caddyshack line or is that just people out on the golf course that would say it anyway? Where did the line in the movie come from? This was 1980. This was, this was so, pre-anything so e- we The English know is- language was new at the time. Nobody had ever thought of anything. This is, this is pre-anything <laughs> we know as pop culture. 1980. Well, SNL was around. All so. right, so you don't like <laughs> Cinderella story, Bill Murray hitting the flowers, the carnations on, on on the lawn with his soft whatever that thing is. Gimme Bobby Hensley's favorite scene from Caddyshack. I wrote. I have two scenes that I wrote down. Okay. Normally we have a f- several. I could only find two. The first one is the whole time they go tee off on the first hole. Why are you shaking your head at me already? I'm just... 
I, I didn't realize such negativity was going to be. You know, I, I played "I'm All Right" for you at the start of this thing. I, I thought I got you in. A Even nice the mood. director didn't want that song. He wanted Pink okay. Floyd. So you like the, Chevy Chase and Danny when they're out there? No, no, no. no. When um, Rodney Dangerfield and the the judge go out there for their first hole, oh. and you get it's like five minutes, and I laugh out loud all the by myself the, the whole time. I startled my dog because I was laughing. <laughs> And then, I laughed through this whole thing, and I've seen this movie quite a bit. I was amazed at how much I was just giggling and laughing at this thing from start to finish. And uh, the running gag that this golf bag has so many contraptions. Yeah. He's, but got he, a, he's got a phone in there. A radio. A radio. A, a tap. TV. A TV, a tap. He poured a drink out of there That's at one right. point. <laughs> yeah. But the whole first hole, they go down, he yells four, he hits them in the junk. I That's funny. Too. Yeah. The whole, that, that scene's very comical. I enjoy that. Okay. And again, Journey was played in that scene. True. <laughs> Give me another one. Well, you know the other one I'm going to say. Well, hold it. Let's, Take a let's guess. Just wait then, because I have a few more than you, as it turns out, which what? I wouldn't have necessarily thought. <laughs> and the one where Ty and Danny, I think it's one of the first scenes mm-hmm. where, where you see them together. They're out on the, the golf course. Ty's barefoot. He's doing all of his putting, and he ends up driving blindfolded and all that. And you get the na 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 Mr. Webb. I just got to win that caddy tournament. I owe it to my folks to get that scholarship. What do you want to go to college for, Danny? I don't know. Let me tell you a little story. I once knew a guy who could have been a great golfer. Could have gone pro. All I needed was a little time to practice. Decided to go to college instead. Went for four years. He did pretty well. At the end of his four years, it was the last semester, he was kicked out. You know what for? He was night putting. Just putting at night. The 15-year-old daughter of the dean. <laughs> Know who that guy was, Danny? No. Take one good guess. Bob Hope. (laughs) No, that guy was Mitch Kumstein, my roommate. He's a good guy. Don't be obsessed with your desires, Danny. The Zen philosopher Basho once wrote, a flute with no holes is not a flute. And a donut with no hole is a Danish. He's a funny guy. You missed just that one. In one physical model of the universe, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line in the opposite direction, Danny. Unbelievable. Thank you very little. That whole thing. And apparently that was based on the $6 million man. Yeah. That was the whole robotic mm-hmm. $6 million man thing, which I did not know. But from 1974, Steve Austin. Yep. Have you ever seen the $6 million man? No, but I'm, I'm going to guess not. I guess whenever he did an outstanding feat, he would. No, 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 no. I've heard that noise before. I just assumed it was like a Star Trek or Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. But apparently I was wrong. Yeah, but he blindfolds and he hits the ball close to the hole. Yeah. And then he tries to make the caddy do it. Yeah. Is this all of that scene? And he's like, be the ball. Be the ball, Danny. Be the ball, See Danny. The ball. Be the ball. Yeah. What else? And he, then I did like that line because he goes, he swung with the caddy, swings with the blindfold on. He's like, so where'd it go? And he goes, into the lumber yard. <laughs> that's, that's one of my lines. So <laughs> Okay. Sorry. That, but yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, because they're. It's Danny, part of the scene. Danny so it's is hard kind to of outlining. Yeah. He, needs, he needs this money to go to college. He's not going to have, have enough money. They're reopening up. He finds out that they have. Reopened up the caddy scholarship. There's a, a tournament, a golf tournament for the caddies to play in. 
the kid who won it, I think he got sick or something, didn't he? Yeah, I, well, I thought they said at one point they're getting a second scholarship. Yeah. So if he wins this tournament, it's a good resume booster. Yeah. And he, so I'll get into all this later because I got problems. Yeah. With all so of he's this. talking about I don't want to work at the lumber yard and right. and that whole thing. And so Ty drives his across the lake, gets across and not a couple feet from the hole. And so then Danny gets blindfolded and his goes into the water. But he still hit it. That's pretty asked, impressive. Where did it go? Yeah. Into the into lumber the yard. Right into the old lumber yard. Yeah. So that was, I like that as well. See, again, that's it's a good scene. Sure. It's a line. It's not, okay. The whole thing, you, though. Okay. Not that, so, it's, not, that it's, not that it's one of those scenes that's a more subtle scene. Not that it's going to jump out and right. hit you in the face with anything, but just the whole thing, good scene. And for me, as I'm watching these, I always have a little thing that says favorite scene. Mm-hmm. And often early in the movie, I'll write down a favorite scene until another one bumps it or something. Okay. So sometimes those early scenes make its way in just be, by default. Good thinking. I like where your head's at. That's the first time you ever told me that. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, so what's your other favorite scene? Well, what's you want to go? Because you got a bunch, and I know that one of mine's going to be yours. It's an iconic scene. The swimming pool? Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. When the caddies get 15 minutes in the pool. Right. And we end up, I put, I started laughing when I saw them synchronized swimming in the pool. Yeah, that was good. I didn't see that coming. And then it ends with a candy bar in the pool. Yeah. I do have one thing, and this is going to be on my things that bug me. So I'll save that to remind me, but it has to deal with this. But, I mean, it is funny. And apparently it's based on a real-life incident Mm -hmm. that Brian Doyle Murray, and Brian Doyle Murray, of course, for those who don't know, I think most people probably do. He's Bill Murray's brother. He's been in a million things himself. He's written, directed a lot. But he was one of the writers of this movie, and he plays the guy in charge of the caddy shack in, in charge of all the caddies. But it was based on something that actually happened in high school at Brian Doyle that Murray's school. Actually somebody happened. Threw a, somebody threw a candy bar in the swimming Maybe pool. not as innocently as it appeared in the movie. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, it was funny. And then, of course, you have Carl at the end with the nuclear suit on. <laughs> and then he <laughs> eats the candy eats bar. And the old lady about faints. Yeah. Um, my other one, uh, the, ju- the scene where the judge is christening his sailboat. That was funny. And the whole thing, I mean, the whole thing is And then, of course, Rodney Dangerfield, Al Cervic, shows up in his yacht, and he's blazing all over the, you know, inside the, the bay and that whole thing. And this is more than a line, and we've talked about this before. The difference between a line and a, a scene. scene, probably. Right, a whole and scene. The whole judge smells when he's getting ready. He reads the poem. It's easy to grin. It's easy to grin when your ship comes in. And you've got the stock market beat. But the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when his shorts are too tight in the seat. <laughs> okay, Pookie, do the honors. <laughs> See, the- but I, I like Ted Knight. Good. Again, this is a guy that I remember sort of from my childhood, Mary Tyler Moore. Great, that whole thing. great character in this whole movie. Yeah, exactly. He... He and Rodney Dangerfield are uh, the perfect foils for yeah, each other. They're they're the foils, and they're both caricatures, and they're both complete stereotypes of the over the top people that you see at a country club, right, out on the golf course. And then um, you're not even going to mention the end of that scene. I'm trying to remember the end of it now, where the anchor drops into the sailboat, and he says, "Hey, you scratched my anchor." <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> As it went through the boat of his yacht. The whole thing, I, he's like christening his yacht that I thought was me something special. That didn't look like a very special yacht or anything. Yeah, that, did he call it a yacht? Did Judge Smales call I, his own I, boat a yacht, or did he call it just a boat or a sailboat? 
Well, he was having a christening with all those people. Yeah. Either way. For either way. Pretty, for essentially a dinghy. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's a, but it, still hilarious. Yeah, it was. Really good stuff. Any other favorite scenes? That's all I had. You? That's all you have? There was a lot of good stuff, but it was more lines to me than whole scenes. Okay. Like that that golf, the first hole with the, the judge and um, Rodney Dangerfield, that was like a eight to ten minute thing. So yeah. I'm saying that I like some of the movie. I'm giving you the good okay. before I get into any of the bad. So favorite lines then. Let's jump right in there. All right. There's a lot. No, there are a lot of these. And I, again, I had not watched this movie before, so I did not know a lot of these lines came from this. Um, I thought you had seen it before. I thought I had too, and then I watched it, and so I didn't remember been your any first, of it. Did you see Caddyshack too? Maybe no. I I don't remember anything about that. Man, I'm glad we're doing this. I remember this is two pretty big movies. I remember the Gopher, or like hearing of the Gopher, but I could have just heard of yeah. that. Okay, but so favorite lines, like one of them, I even tried to give a Bill Murray line just to be nice. Mm-hmm. And it's when he's like telling him to go kill the gophers. And he's like, well, if I kill all the golfers, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. That's right. I said gophers, yeah. not gophers. Yeah. So <laughs> I gave him one line. Gungala gunga. <sighs> That's I your know, favorite line? No, I mean, it's not my favorite. I'm just going down a list of how, mu- how many is on lines. your list. I've got quite a few, actually. Oh, good. All right. Um, not like- quite as many as dodgeball, but. <laughs> I said, don't sell yourself short, Judge. You're a tremendous You're slouch. Tremendous slouch. Another good one. I hear that all the time in my life, and I didn't know what came from this movie. Hey, Lama. How about a little something for the effort? Another Bill Murray. You get, you'll get total consciousness when you... So I'm on a first tee. What am I giving the driver? He hauls off and whacks one. Big hitter. Lama. Long. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. Gunga Galunga. So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, which is nice. I I didn't realize it was going to make you stretch this much. to come. No, I like when they're talking and then... um... Like, oh, you must have hated Manhattan. And she says, I was really getting tired of having fun all the time. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Somebody stepped on a duck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that not mentioned as favorite scene, that whole thing in that? When and that, that was a good scene. When Danny is waiting tables with Maggie mm-hmm. inside the country club and they're doing a big dinner and, and that whole thing. And that, that, of course, was Rodney Dangerfield's character. He, <laughs> he leans forward and he passes some Yes. Loudly. He's got, a, he's got a lot. Yeah, he Loudly. Got, and everyone kind of stopped and looked at him. Minus the four people at his table. Yeah, exactly. It must you, have been something before electricity. <laughs> yeah, when he was talking to the judge's wife. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the kids puking in the car outside. Yeah. That whole scene was pretty good. Maybe I should have written that one down. And tell it took this as low-grade dog food. All right, this steak still has marks where the jockey was hitting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, somebody stepping a duck? <laughs> All right, you must have been something before electricity, huh? <laughs> oh, wonderful boy. Nice boy. All right, he's a good boy. Okay, and now I know why tigers eat their young. I don't uh, think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. <laughs> yes, it's a monsoon outside. Yep, yeah, with the bishop outside. How about uh, the world needs ditch diggers, too? I thought that line was great. Another good one. Another one I've heard a lot in my career at work. This is uh, Ty Webb. Me winning isn't. You do. Yeah. When he's talking yeah. to Danny. 
He his talked. Whole, his whole head is scrambled when they're in the golf tournament. And he was like that the whole movie. He said some things that I started to try and think to figure out what he was saying, and I realized, nope, he's just. You got to wonder if maybe some of that stuff that Carl Spackler was passing along, they were actually doing on yeah. the set pretty often. Maybe that scene was recorded before some <laughs> of the right. other ones. That's right. I like the one where he's like, nice boy, nice boy. Now I know why tigers eat their young. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield had a lot of great. Sure, ones. and that was right up his. And that, yeah, because alley, again, anyway. he, was a, he was a one line comic. Essentially, he was the Yogi Berra the of comedy. Line. Yeah, that's that's about right. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So what else you got? Um, I think that's pretty much it for most of my lines because you had some of them. Sure. As well. It just. Do you have any more favorite lines? I don't have any written down. I once worked with someone several years back who could not stand this movie, <laughs> and we had the whole debate: Is this a sports movie? Is it not a sports movie? He couldn't stand it. This turned into an, a, a running thing on air. And so finally he and his girlfriend watched it. And they were mid-20s at the time. And again, this has been, so they're like older than you at this point. But they were in their mid-20s <laughs> <Thanks. Yeah>. at <laughs> the time. Uh, they were probably born a couple years after Caddyshack came out in 1980. But they, neither one of them could stand it. Thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Okay, I won't go that far with it. It's, it's tough too. Part of it's almost you saying how great it is, and you were encouraging how funny it is, and it is funny. And that's and that's a good point because you're, as we've talked about on this podcast, you're like that as well. If if something gets built up too much, sure, you're, you're you have, not not the proverbial you, but you, me, Bobby, Bobby Hensley, Hensley, yeah, are going to go across the grain and find 800 reasons why it's not the greatest thing. And this guy was was a lot of the same, especially when it came to you to my stuff. <laughs> yeah. He would just essentially repel anything that I came up with. And so I, I wonder how much that played into it. But he wanted – his girlfriend wanted nothing to do with it either, which – All right. It's like you can't find anything funny about Caddyshack. Are you kidding me? No, that's what I'm going to say. I'm it's, not saying you. Right. Again, this the, time, the not me. You. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good movie that everyone should see at some point if you're into sports or golf or even some of these actors. It's very funny. I'm watching this movie almost critically, thinking about it, trying to dissect it. And if I, it's one of those movies like I watched Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Napoleon Dynamite when it came out, uh-huh. and I thought it was dumb. And then I watched it a second <laughs> time, and I was like, "Oh, well, this scene's coming up where this is said." And I feel like this movie might be that if I watch it again, and I would watch it again because I don't I was, hate it that much. I was like that to an extent with Anchorman. I remember seeing Anchorman in theaters, and I really, I just thought it was eh. Yeah, but. The first time I watched it on DVD afterwards, and maybe I just needed more to kind of sit and process some of the stuff. To know where it goes even, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I don't know if this qualifies anything, but AFI, they listed this on um, one, number seven in the top sports movies of all time. Hmm. So you were saying that your former coworker didn't even classify it as a sports movie. I mean, it's got to be. It's set at a golf course. Yes. Whether, we, whether we consider... Golf in the same echelon as football, baseball, Oh, it's definitely hockey, a sports movie. The basketball, the traditional. I mean, it is a sports movie. It is set <laughs> there. Obviously, they're not necessarily competing for everything, but it is a comedy built in a golf setting. But well, golf is the setting, and comedy is built around it with all the characters. And we're coming off a dodgeball and NASCAR movie, that's, so this is way more sports-oriented right. than that. Yeah, this is, I mean, we hit it with, with this one, definitely. So what bugged you? Um, I'm trying to think. Are we okay to get to that spot now? Yeah. So I've got a couple of things that the bug me about Kenny this. Loggins. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. 
The biggest thing was this movie was supposed to be set in the Midwest. And again, in the research for this, it, it essentially says that, that they filmed this in Florida, but they sought out a golf course that did not have any palm trees because they wanted it to appear that Midwest. this was taking place in the Midwest. And if you remember back to the scene with Danny and Ty Webb, Danny talks about going to college at Nebraska. So we're thinking Midwest, Central Midwest, right? So how many yacht clubs are in the Midwest? You know, other than Lake Michigan. I say, well, okay. So that's the only thing. That's, that that's the biggest thing that bugs me. And I mean, it's a great scene. Don't get me wrong. All of those yacht clubs in Nebraska are coming after you after this podcast. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> they could have specifically said we're in Wisconsin or Minnesota has Minnesota. ten thousand lakes. Yeah, well, yeah, even there. But, yeah, I mean, you, well, could, they, you they, could see Miami and the Long Bridge in the background. When they said they the had a hard thing. time with uh, planes flying over the whole time because they were right next to the airport in yeah. Miami or something. I want to say maybe around Fort Lauderdale, something like that. But they had to keep stopping down because they would have airplanes go over. You couldn't hear the characters, yeah. which also bugged me because sometimes the audio, and I know it's a movie that's 40 years old, and I need to get over that. That's just my being younger talking. Well, but and it's, and it's tough now, like watching this and Top Gun, for example, which I both mentioned, which the DVDs were made pre-HD, and watching those on my HD TV now is a much different experience just in what you're seeing visually and hearing. That's what's nice about the Netflix. They stretched it and made it look good. The screen, looked, it a the screen bit. looked good. It was yeah. just the audio. Some of the scenes, like the first scene of the movie where all the kids are in the house, which what, what was that? Did they have all those kids? Were they just housing kids? Apparently that was based on Brian Doyle Murray's Family. They had a bunch of kids. And like it was just 30 sort of, of them? Uh, I don't know if it was 30. But no, but there were a so, lot of kids in the house. But it was yeah. very loud. And then, like, the next scene, I had to, like, bump up the volume because it didn't seem to be audio <laughs> yeah. equalized. I thought, here's what bugged me about the movie. And this okay. is really where I started to get bugged by it. What was the theme or the plot of this movie? You started every podcast up to this one saying a plot from a movie. What was the plot from this one? I think that's probably why I started with the music in this podcast. <laughs> okay. There really was Obviously, we don't talk to each other before we do this. And I, and I think that's probably what bugs some critics and things like that oh, was, at the time. Because I thought it was mostly about him trying to get to college. And at one point, he gets a scholarship. At another point, he loses a scholarship. Then I thought it was about him and his girlfriend and like having a kid maybe. And then that just goes away randomly. Then he... Has a fling with somebody else. That's true. Because they kind of want you to think it's about Danny. And then I started to think the whole movie, I kind of thought it was about Ty Webb, Chevy Chase's character. Maybe he emerges and wins a big tournament at the end with Danny caddying for him. Yeah. And then they both make money or something. I, and it, that never happened. But again, the they whole the central, the central idea was Harold Ramis and Brian Doyle Murray starting it with the idea of the caddy shack and the caddies themselves. And then... I think so that's at the center of it. And so then from around that came all these funny characters that that built the whole thing and just interweaving. I, I think I mean you bring up a good point. It obviously But there's lots of movies that don't have plots. Yeah, and it and it's I think it's gotta be one of the few movies that really have Nothing. No real plot. It just keeps stringing out like there's no central plot at all. There's a lot it, of little things. It's just things. The, the golf course almost yeah, is. Exactly. And then you get to the end where the guy's having the round of his life in this monsoon and he <laughs> dies. Bishop. And then you have Bill Murray. And he's, he's drinking at the bar right. and he's God doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and it's all very thing. funny, but I just needed something. Like, that's why I think made Dodgeball better than I remembered. 
there was a a because there actually was yeah yeah and they were trying to get to you win the tournament to pay to off the gym the yeah there's the payoff at the end this because Danny really within probably the first forty five minutes wins the caddy tournament so that's taken care of so then, this this was just a bet that just between Rodney Dangerfield and the judge right. That's so wrong. Ty, Ty Webb got involved, and then the, the then not even yeah. So he's not getting paid. The yeah. caddies who ended up playing, and the which, bet doesn't happen until there's about thirty minutes left in the movie. Well, and then it doubles in the last five minutes of the movie, <laughs> That's right. and then he doesn't pay it at all anyway. And the last thing you see is him running off the course. Hey, we're all gonna get laid. Yeah. I mean that's what it comes down yeah. to. Which of course they changed to paid when you see it on TV. Oh, well, TV ruins everything. So anything else that bugs you? I mean that's a pretty good one. There, there is no real plot to Caddyshack. But I, I think it escapes without needing a plot. I thought, sure, and uh, I'm, I'm not trying to say that this movie's not watchable. Well, you better not be saying it's not. Watchable. I don't remember what movie we did that I really didn't like. Like Sandlot, watching that back, I was like, I could not watch this movie again and be okay with my life. This one, I'd like to still see. I don't know see. if I'll watch Sandlot again. But this movie, unless especially... I have grandkids at some point. <laughs> And even then, <laughs> yeah. but for love of the game, I mean, I've seen enough of for love of the game and you love that one. Sure. So, but then, um, like 40th year, do you think they could remake this movie today? I think they could. You'd almost need that group of Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, all those guys, or I think John Jason, C. Riley, Jason or, Sudeikis would be good. See, I see John C. Riley being Bill Murray's character. Interesting. That I don't know exactly. And Will Ferrell being Chevy Chase. I can see that. Zach Galifianakis. As who? I mean, he could be Bill Murray's character. Yeah, definitely. Where where You you wouldn't necessarily have the same voice and and the whole thing, but a little goofy, a little off. Kind of of a hangover guy. Bill Murray almost had his his own movie in this. Yeah. He only interacted at the very end and knocked the ball in. Yeah. And then that one scene with Chevy Chase. Other than that... And I guess the um, caddying in the rain. But pretty much the rest of the movie, he was on his own. Yeah. But I think, like, Jason Sudeikis would make a good Ty Webb, the Chevy Chase character. He's yeah. He's kind of the way he carries himself. Yeah. And that whole thing. How about Seth Rogen as the, uh, the Bill Murray character? A, yeah, that'd be a good one, too. Or Will Ferrell, for that matter. Yeah. Then you could have Vince Vaughn. Will Ferrell almost needs to be the judge. Or no. Ben Stiller is the judge. Ben Stiller would be a great judge, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. He's over the top. He's pompous. He can he can figure that character out and, I was and take it some places. Just about to say Vince Vaughn could be Ty Webb, but they've already done that in Dodgeball. They don't have to always <laughs> go against each other, I That's guess. That's right. Who's the, who's, who's the Rodney Dangerfield character? <sighs> so you'd almost need a comic that just hasn't done movies? Kind of like... Zach Galifianakis before he had done The Hangover. Right. Where he erupted with The Hangover, and then it uh, it became oversaturation, and now you barely hear from him anymore. But, yeah, you need... I'm trying to think of a character in anything that just has one-liners. Yeah. That doesn't have... And that's comedy is so different now. Sure. Than it it was then. You don't have necessarily the same kind of one-liners. I'm sure, yeah. Maybe even a Kevin Hart. Yeah. That's not bad. Like he's annoying. Although Kevin Hart's in everything now. Chris That's Rock. why he'd be great. Well, but Kevin Hart's almost like Rodney Dangerfield. You watch this movie and you laugh, but you would hate him. Like it's a hateable, lovable character, which is pretty much Kevin Hart's niche in mm-hmm. everything he does. That's very true. But he always has the rock to play off of in all of his movies. 
I can't think of any good or just kind of raunch type comedians right now. Because, and that's another thing about well, comedy is everything's become so down. PC. Yeah. yeah. And I mean that that like kind of takes us to if it holds up over time because there is some raunch in there. Judge Smales, one of the things that I don't think would make it in today, we've talked about the bishop a little bit. They're in the locker room and Judge asked him if he's heard the joke about the Jew, the colored boy, and the Catholic <laughs> who went to heaven. Yeah. Obviously I mean Yeah, that's, that's not way gonna be in it yeah. off the reservation <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, yeah, I just I don't think that joke makes it in, even though it was obviously meant to kind of again portray the stereotype and, and caricaturize the whole thing. And then you had a a Catholic bishop involved, so it's like, oh, okay, well, it's not so taboo because he's joking and right. laughing about it, too. It's like when you watch a comedy special on anything, whenever they tell yeah. a joke that offends somebody, they show that group of people yeah, laughing right. at ah, it. I see them yeah. laughing. Yeah, laughing. so it's okay for me to laugh. Yeah. I mean, really, though, for the most part, that joke aside, it's not. There's a, I think it holds up really well. If you, cha- if you tweak the wardrobe, you could almost do the exact same movie verbatim and everything would hold up today if you had the right people in place to do it who would play the caddy nowadays that's a real good question the cart <laughs> <laughs> well and they reference that in the movie yeah. if you can be replaced by golf carts keep doing what you're doing yep exactly now i think you like a jason bateman could almost play the caddy just this woe is me guy kind of just going through life it doesn't have to be a young guy you're talking about danny noonan oh yeah. that caddy okay yeah that is kind of the <laughs> bateman jason role. bateman or like uh, Michael Sarah from Arrested Development, yep. the, which is the Jason kid. Bateman's son. And Juno, Arrested. who you talk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. George Michael. Now you know who should play the judge. I think it'd be a great role. Steve Carell. That would, because I think he, I think him, Ben Stiller, Will Ferrell, they're all infinitely funnier when they're playing that caricature of them, and not just trying to be a guy doing right whatever. When they can when they can find that character to build up and add some layers to it, they're all better. Yeah, I think that like, would that would be a great fit too. Like a Michael Scott turned up to ten. Yeah. Or even or even Michael Scott, yeah, the, the I, I think he could be the judge or Al Servic. Yeah, one. it could be either one. Any any one of those three I think could play those guys. So they could definitely remake the movie though. Yeah. And it's been forty years. That's wild. That's what's amazing to me. Because this is by far the oldest movie we've done. That's true, it is. And I didn't even. And you look had up. mentioned at one point that we had done all these <laughs> older movies, but yeah, I mean, really, the previous oldest we had done, I think, was was eighty seven or eighty eight. The Field of Dreams. Yeah. So I didn't even look up to see what other movies were popular in nineteen eighty, but I bet this holds up over forty years. Because you talk about holding up a movie from nineteen ninety nine to hold up to today is not very hard. No, but and I, for, and, I and I think it probably it holds up even better because it's. I mean, Tin Cup was a good golf movie, but this is the best thing ever made that had anything to do with golf in, in terms of movies. I think. Because of Kenny Loggins. Hey, if you want to go back to that, I will accept that. Some interesting things with the characters. Cindy Morgan, who played Lacey, that was one of the other things that bugged me. I wanted to hit that real okay. quick. And I forgot about that. The pool scene. Yeah. Now, Cindy Morgan, she's an attractive lady, the whole thing, but is she really so drop dead gorgeous that she's going to stop traffic the way she did well now i don't want this to come off in the in the wrong way but is i'll take is it the she wrong really way really going to <laughs> i mean she's not she's not kate upton walking through the door <laughs> this is just a uh, discussion of taste then at this point kate upton's eh. okay so i would 
All right. Plus, you're talking about holding up over time. 40 years ago was her look to the people more standout-ish okay. than, it, than right. Kate Upton? That's what you go to? Really? Wow. Did you know um, she was actually almost legally blind? So they had a hard time f- filming scenes with her. Really? So like that high dive scene where she's on the diving board, uh-huh. they'd like yell at her when to go and what to do because she couldn't see everything. I had just a, a couple of different things that uh, she apparently went to a Catholic school and she argued against the the nude scene mm-hmm. and someone pulled her aside, one of the executives, and essentially said, look, if you don't do this, you're, you're probably going to work done. in Hollywood again. She really hasn't done that much, 37 but, credits. She's kind of got a slow trickle, about a job a year, but she, and she did go from... 95 to 2003 with nothing, but now she's got a series coming out next year, actually. Well, so they let the scene go. She got talked into that, but then Playboy— And then the whole—oh, go ahead. Uh, —came onto the scene, and they wanted to pay her for that, and they wanted to promote the movie with it or something, and the director told her—or told Playboy to that we wouldn't be doing that. Not to exploit her yeah. and that kind of thing. Interesting. Sarah Holcomb, the girl who played Maggie O'Houlihan, was also in Animal House. She was in— and what's she done since? I think, yeah, well, that's very interesting because she quit acting after right. this movie. She had done like <laughs> four or five things, quit acting after this. Yeah, and you want, I don't, I didn't look into it too deeply, but you wonder if like somebody, she just found happiness somewhere else. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. But she was in two very raunchy movies. I didn't really care for her character. No, there's something she was, off about her. She was supposed to be an exchange student, I read, which was in, you know, like the original script, but they didn't really include that. Well, and I didn't think it was that great an Irish accent myself, but So when you said there was something earlier you wanted me to remind you of that it was in the pool that bugs you, it's that she wouldn't stop traffic the way she was. Yeah. That's the thing you wanted to come back to. Right. Wow. Okay. Ted Knight, again, I mean he was born in 1923. He died just 6 years later. This was the last movie he made. He did TV for a while, had a series but this that was, was pretty popular. Movie. Yep. But uh that was it. Of course, he was probably at his peak with the Mary Tyler Moore show when he was Ted Baxter. And that's what I always want to call him is Ted Baxter, not Ted Knight. <laughs> um, I guess the movie's line, so I got that going for me, which is nice, which you enjoyed. Yep. Was listed as number 49 on the 100 greatest movie lines of all time. Really? I can see that. Which is ahead of the Cinderella. So they had two lines that made the top 100. Cinderella story. And, and I got that going for me, which is nice. Looks like a miracle. <laughs> yeah. And it was number seven overall as a sports movie. You did see that they did want Pink Floyd originally to do the music. Mm-hmm. I saw that. But he didn't do it, so they got Kenny Loggins. Again, I mean, it launched. Has there been a musical artist that's made more of a career off soundtracks than Kenny Loggins? I don't think so. Because then when you think about the 90s, I mean, all that pop music of the 80s died in the 90s, really. But still, I mean... He, those were three. Like, if you think '80s music theme songs, those three. You've got Ghostbusters. You've got the Dirty Dancing thing. I've had the time of my life. I mean, like, those are right there. Wasn't there a song of Ferris Bueller that was up there? Didn't they have oh, a song? The bow, bow. That yeah. thing. I guess Not that's really just a, a song, beat, but yeah. just kind of a yeah. Yeah. So good for him for making work out of it. Yeah. Favorite characters. <laughs> Um, Chevy Chase. And I also have a hard time in these movies because I just think of him as Chevy Chase. Ty Webb, I guess I should say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Chevy Chase is my favorite character. I enjoyed Rodney Dangerfield. He kind of was the stir that mixed the whole movie. Yeah. But my least favorite was Bill Murray. 
That's interesting. Bill Murray is your least favorite. I would probably go the judge and Rodney Dangerfield. See, the judge was And then yeah. Bill Murray. I, I thought Chevy Chase was good. He had some good lines in there. but And then I almost feel, well, I don't feel bad critiquing a movie because that's what we're supposed to do. Exactly. And who cares? It's our opinion. But anything that I felt like I didn't enjoy about this movie, I instantly thought, well, they probably cut that out in the three hours of the movie that didn't air. <laughs> that's on the floor. Yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, but you don't want a five-hour-long movie either, so... No, that's true. All right, and you also don't want a two-hour podcast, and we're up there right now, sitting around 45 minutes. Wow. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up, Caddyshack? So where does this rank in your sports movies? I wanted uh, to ask you. This is tough, because I still do, even though it is a sports movie, I it's like I consider it more comedy. Is it comedy or is it more of a nostalgia movie almost for you? I'm not meaning that a dig on your age. I I hear what you're saying. I don't think it's necessarily nostalgia. but I I put it, it's definitely top ten. I don't know exactly, probably in that seven, eight range, because there are a lot more what I would consider true sports movies that would be ahead of that. Sure. How about you? It doesn't rank anywhere for me as a sports movie. I'm surprised at how little you like it. It, I I wasn't expecting you to love it. So maybe top ten would be fair because, like I say, I, I'm going to talk about this movie to my friends. I'm going to mention it, the, a lot of these lines. So it's not that it didn't resonate with me, but it's hard to enter a movie into your top that you haven't already had. Yeah. And that's where I'm at with it. All right. Well, speaking of rankings, we're going to do some different stuff with our next couple of podcasts. And they're going to be geared toward priming everyone up for <laughs> football season, which is on the way. It's just Is that a, the one where they kick the ball without their hands? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what we're going to do. We'll just we'll we'll leave it at that. We've got a couple lists coming up <laughs> that are going to be football related. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be fun. They're going to be a little different. Yeah. And then we're going to get into some football movies once we get a little bit closer to the football season, which is just around the corner at this point. Yeah, and you and I will probably disagree on a lot more coming up. <laughs> got that right. <laughs> hey, we're all going to get paid. <laughs> I want you to kill every golfer on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers... They're going to lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! They're great kid, not golfers. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. All right, let's do the same thing, but with gophers. Gosh!